following program is brought to you by FinitGuideCars.com. With more than a thousand car listings daily, FinitGuideCars.com has the right used or brand new US spec automobile for you. Find your dream car or motorcycle with our powerful search engine. FinitGuideCars.com. Find a car the right way. The quest to learn more about legendary Belgian beer has led me to some amazing places. I've seen deep forests, remote monasteries, hushed ruins, sparkling streams, and the insides of some of the world's coolest brewing operations. But sometimes, our journeys are more than just physical. Quests help reveal the boundaries of what's possible, and then help us push past those boundaries. And the revelations that come with our journeys aren't always what we expect them to be. I found this out recently when I learned about the existence of a profession called Zythology. A Zythologist, I learned, is essentially the same as a master beer sommelier, someone who's highly trained and certified in the art of serving, pairing, tasting, and understanding beer. But the word itself, aside from its significant potential value in Scrabble, fascinated me. It's derived from the Greek Zythos, which means beer, and logos, which means knowledge. Now, this sounds super ancient, which jives with the history of beer. At least in terms of respectable archaeology, beer's history stretches back more than 10,000 years. But it wasn't Aristotle, or Plato, or any other ancient Greek who coined the term Zythology. From Earblitz, I'm Nate Carney, and this is Belgian Beer Quest. In fact, the entire concept of having a beer sommelier is quite new. It's only been a quote-unquote professional pursuit in Belgium since 2012, and the word itself is primarily tied to beer experts in Belgium. But Belgium isn't totally alone in this pursuit. In the US, in Chicago, a place called the Craft Beer Institute, which certifies Cicerones, the institute's name for zythologists or master beer sommeliers, has only been around since 2007. For a bit of perspective, the first professional wine sommelier organization was founded in France in 1907, a hundred years earlier. Now, this gap tells us a great deal about the social, economic, and culinary values that people have historically assigned to wine and beer. Namely, that wine belonged in a different realm than beer. One was meant for savoring, and the other was meant for mere drinking. And although times and products have changed drastically, this historical divide may also help explain the seeming reticence that one can sometimes find when talking to people in Belgium about beer. After all, the French, their next-door neighbors, have wine, and the Belgians have beer, and one has been famous for a lot longer. Well, this is where Zythologists, and there are only a handful of them in the world, step into the breach. They are at once defenders for great beer, and teachers, and encouraging coaches, and crusaders for beer's place at the culinary table. In short, Zythologists also help to build legends. I had the good fortune to sit down recently with Sophie van Raffelgem, a certified Belgian Zythologist and one of the most knowledgeable Belgian beer experts around. She's written several books on Belgian beer, she consults for top restaurants and hotels around the globe about how to incorporate great beers into their menus. She's brewed her own beer 
and does cool things like stay at St. Sixtus Abbey so she can learn more about how West Flaterin does things. But her expertise, while vast, isn't all that makes Sophie special. Specifically, it's her passion for two really important issues. The first is that beer needs to be recognized as a culinary equal to wine, and then elevated to that status. The second involves the need for dispelling myths about women and beer, especially in a traditional beer country like Belgium. We'll talk about both of those things in a moment, but I wanted to begin by understanding how exactly one becomes a zythologist and what one does. So I asked Sophie. I mostly use beer sommelier, but as you said, zythologist, you are a beer connoisseur. You know a lot about beer. In Belgium, it takes about two years. There's a study in Sintra, it's called cytology, and that's actually the best way to really get into this world and get acquainted with all the knowledge and styles and, and so on. So that's a good way. It diff you see different studies, you see different uh, organizations in the different countries. So, so they all have a, another approach to that. But in Belgium, it's two years to become a zetologist. For me, I actually started out with becoming a home brewer first, because I thought if I want to really, really know this product, I want to be able to make it. So we did this for one year. I still love to brew at home. I don't have a lot of time left for that, but I still love to do this. And for me, this gave me a really good base. And after that, I did the cytology course. And then you have a good base, but you have to keep on learning. I, I say that because like what we do now, I wouldn't be able to do this after I graduated from zytology. I wouldn't have considered myself an experienced enough beer sommelier to really be working with so many restaurants, uh, hotels, retail. So you have to keep on learning. My biggest advice to beer sommeliers is listen to like the people who have a lot of wisdom about the beer world, like Andereek or Frank Bohn or people who have been there for a long time. I can tell you why techniques change and how it affects the flavor and so on. So I, I did learn a lot in the States also and, and here. And I keep on learning because it evolves, um, it evolves so much and so quickly right now. Yes, that's still a really strange thing to say to people. Like, You're what? You're a beer sommelier? <laughs> what do you do then? <laughs> a wine sommelier is often uh, connected to one restaurant. Uh, restaurants don't have the habit in working with beer and a wine sommelier. So what they will do is they will train the wine sommelier to work with beer as well, or they will consult a beer sommelier to work with them. What I do is actually work with different restaurants, retails, hotels all over the world. I actually started out in Dubai. <laughs> you know, strange way to start because uh, alcohol is forbidden there. It's only allowed in the hotels, but there's a big demand for it. There's a lot of interest for it, and especially Belgian beers. They love them. So I work with different and it's varies a lot and I love that I really um, that's one of the things I love most about my job it's not any day is the same actually and I will design a beer menu or I will train the staff or we will work on a beer concept and develop it together or we will launch together a beer restaurant it's really varies it's sometimes a really big assignment and sometimes really small now we have some restaurants who are clients of us who have been around 30, 40 years and now 
they are saying, okay, we want to have a beer menu that matches the quality of our wine menu. So I love that. And it's taken Belgians such a long time to involve in, in that direction because we're a beer country, but you wouldn't say it if you go to most of our restaurants. So I want to put beer on the menu. That's one of my big goals. My big dreams is to get to see that beer has reached the status that's equal to wine. That in every restaurant I will get a menu and beer is not limited to three choices without any explanation at all. And then I get a wine menu of 15 pages. I, I don't think that's acceptable for us as a beer country. conversation then moved to something that's very Belgian. The aura or overall feeling of reticence that I mentioned earlier. Now, I've mentioned in previous episodes that Belgium often seems like an unassuming place. While nearly everyone I've met here has been incredibly warm, they've also been fairly interested in avoiding self-promotion. In an Instagram world, this is charming and refreshing, and as far as human instincts go, it's not a bad idea either especially considering that Belgium has been the battleground for so many different European wars across the millennia. From Caesar's conquest of Gaul 2,000 years ago to World War II and everything in between. But it feels like this should be different. This is the country of beer, after all. Belgian beer culture was even recognized in 2016 for its quote-unquote intangible cultural heritage of humanity by UNESCO, the United Nations group responsible for identifying and preserving works of tremendous cultural value. In other words, the beer culture in Belgium is like none other on earth. And according to Sophie, there are many Belgians who don't quite seem to be as aware of this as they should be, which makes it difficult to be proud of it. So when speaking with Sophie, it was immediately clear that she's on a mission to spread the word about great Belgian beer. And so I asked her, why? Oh, I think maybe I love the underdog. <laughs> I think it wasn't right that people were judging beer in a way, looking at beer in a way uh, that they did and they still do. A lot of the remarks are beer is only bitter or beer can never be elegant or beer will never have a place on a culinary table. And I think that's not fair. And it's also not fair because if you look at France, they're really proud of their wine. They're really proud of, of their vineyards, of what they produce, and rightfully so. But in Belgium, you don't have that too much. And I thought, if we can't make the Belgians chauvinist, then maybe I just have to show them what I discovered. Because I wasn't growing up with beer. Like a lot of my colleagues would be able to say that. Oh, my dad gave me my first beer. Never happened. I gave my dad his beer. <laughs> so I learned my parents how to appreciate beer. And for me, that was actually one of the first things. If I couldn't convince my parents, I couldn't convince the nation. So I actually succeeded at that. It took some time. But now in the wine cellar, when we go, when I visit my uh, home, I see that there's a lot of beer also there. My mom started out with like drinking the heavy dark Belgian beers and now she loves an old goose. So if that's possible, everything is possible. 
So if we look at how like coffee evolved, coffee from a simple cup of coffee to now like a gourmet coffee, you can have any kinds of coffee and people are looking to purchase quality and looking to have a good taste in your coffee. Why can't we have that with beer? And of course we have already some appreciation for the Trappist beers as an example who are great and for a lot of beers, but we have so much more. Like a lot of Americans, Canadians, Australians come here for the old goes alone, for the Lambics alone. And almost every week at the events we do, we see and meet Belgians who have never, never tasted an old goze. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a passion for the product, but it's also something I find unjust about the situation. I want to correct it. The only way to do that for me is to bring a positive message and a positive project and to really... Um, yeah, sweep people off their feet with the stories and the tastes and the flavors. And now we get to one of the most compelling parts of Sophie van Raffelgem's daily work as a zythologist, her effort to change hearts and minds about the role of women in beer. As we'll hear from Sophie in a moment, most casual observers of modern beer culture would classify it as a place for men. The narrative is very present in most public spheres. I mean, think about ads you've seen during the Super Bowl or the World Cup. You've got dudes in jeans and flannels, clueless dudes, shouting dudes, horses somehow playing football. If women are present at all in these ads, it's usually not a particularly kind characterization. But as Sophie is quick to point out, this is a losing way to look at beer economically and socially for everyone involved. And it also ignores history and reality. For example, in the dawn of beer done on purpose, the very ancient times, we're talking the Sumerians, almost 4,000 years ago, the people who left behind recorded beer recipes, women were in charge of brewing. And in modern times, in Belgium, many women are at the forefront of brewing excellence, like Anne-Françoise Pipard, who is the master brewer at Orval, or Dominique Friard, who runs Saint-Fuyen, or many others, some of whom can be found in Sophie's book called Beer, Women Know Why. Let's hear more from Sophie on the subject. I soon realized that there were a lot of prejudices surrounding beer, but also prejudices surrounding women and beer. I was getting comments, not only from men, but there were a lot of women who were giving comments as well. So why are you drinking beer? It's not really elegant, it's not really sophisticated. And I thought, how am I going to change this? By getting angry, we're getting nowhere. So and I don't want to be frustrated. So it's all actually, for me, a, a kind of motto I live by. If I'm getting too frustrated at something that keeps on popping up in media or in my life, I just have to work to change it and not complain about it. So that's why I started a big project here in Belgium, the Women and Beer Project. And it entailed a lot of workshops, and a lot of events and also brewing days for women. So we're getting women into the breweries to see the process, to really experience how beautiful this product is. And we had a lot of success. I was getting a lot of remarks 
but I actually decided to do something about it when I kept getting the question in interviews. Like journalists was, were asking me the question, isn't it weird to work as a, wom a woman in the beer industry? I said, what a strange question, but it kept on popping up. So I said, okay, let's look at it like a journalist. Let's look at the world. And I was mainly surrounded, it was 10 years ago, by men. And if I looked at the brewers, were mainly male brewers. And if I looked at marketing, advertising, you know the popular slogan of Schupeler, men know why, but they're not the only ones, you have many, many more. The first thing I did, I actually approached the big breweries to ask them the question, why? Why would you do this? And the answer I got then was, it's no use. Women will never love beer. We shouldn't put our efforts into it because it will always stay the same. I thought, I haven't done my research yet, but I think you're wrong. <laughs> so when I decided to do tastings for women's organizations, small ones, big ones, every kind of layer of the society, I did about 300. Yeah, realized soon they were very, very wrong <laughs> in that. The biggest reason women don't order a beer in a bar or a restaurant is if you don't know something, you can't love it. That's the biggest reason, because all the other ones are false. I presented it in elegant glasses, I presented it different styles and tastes and flavors, and the beers they, they often call female beers, the very sweet, fruity beers, they often ended up at the bottom. The favorites were like sour or hoppy beers even. And the other conclusion after a couple of years I had that there's no real preference in beer for men and women. It has such a big variety. You can have a group of people and one will love the Belgian wheat beer and the other will go for the sour old goose. And it's so different. To base an advertising or a marketing campaign on gender is just stupid. <laughs> So the whole idea of Zythology, that idea of a master beer sommelier, comes loaded with implications about beer that are rarely said aloud. And understanding these implications is central to any good quest for legendary beer. The first one is about purpose. To quote Belgian beer expert and friend of the show, Brandon Carney, beers like Westfleteren, Orval, Chimay, Westmala, and others are not meant to smash back. This doesn't mean that those beers aren't outstanding by themselves, they are. But if they're built for savoring, then it leads to questions. Savor how and with what? The second implication is related to those questions. It's that the quality of beer making has now reached the same level as wine, both in terms of how the brewing is done and what growing groups of consumers expect. Now, that comparison may sound like something designed to pick a fight, but it's not. Many of today's beers, especially in Belgium, are just that good. But we, the interested drinkers, do need guides. We need people like Zythologists who can give a voice and a language for how to do things that seem simple but aren't, like how to properly pour a bottle of Orval. The third implication is that beer, in its best forms, deserves a place on tables around the world. That done well, pairing beer and food elevates what it means to live that it can be a joyful and almost transcendent experience. And in my own quest, I discovered that that kind of thinking isn't just crazy philosophy talk 
or a way to justify a trip to the beer store to your significant other. It's what Zythologists and the small but growing community of master beer sommeliers around the world live for. And so, in terms of how aspiring beer seekers should approach their own journeys, I'll leave the final word to Sophie. I would say two things. Let your senses guide you. So taste something, smell it, experiences, be aware of what you're tasting, and then notice what you like and don't like. And the second thing is don't be afraid to try other beers if you don't like the first one. This episode of Belgian Beer Quest is brought to you by Earblitz, a production of Pro GmbH. Our producers include Brewer-in-Chief Brett Hellenius, mixologist Manuel Flatkin, and me, your humble host and fan of words with nouveau Greek roots, Nate Carney. Audio editing and mixing is also by Manuel Flatkin, who is a certified sonic sommelier. The EarBlitz.com website was crafted with just the right amount of reticence and confidence by Laura Hirsch, Tavo Caballero, and Aaron T. Grog. Marketing is handled by Michelle Purse, who makes sure we connect with passionate fans of the letter Z everywhere. You can find us at EarBlitz.com or subscribe to Belgian Beer Quest on all platforms where you find your favorite podcasts. Make sure you like the EarBlitz page on Facebook and follow EarBlitz on Twitter. A very special thanks to Sophie von Raffelgem for her time and expertise. Please join us next time as we step into the epicenter of the Trappist beer universe and discover Westamala, where we can find the mother of all triples, a leader among breweries, and a community whose Belgian roots run deep. Until then, cheers to you.